to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman. You know, from time to time, we introduce our listeners to to, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, whom we consider to be dear friends, and we highly recommend their ministry work. And we encourage you to connect with them, or, you know, maybe you want to bookmark and visit their websites. And in this episode, we are excited to have you meet one of our favorites. That's right. Her name is Elizabeth Prada, and you may know her from her blog site called The End Time, where she writes about doctrine and the love of Jesus Christ and just all kinds of great uh, Christian topics. She's also a published author and a podcaster, too. Elizabeth, welcome to the program. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, thank you, and I'm very excited and honored to be here. And I just love you two ladies and the work you're doing for Christ in both your ministries and the combined ministry of this great podcast. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, about me, I don't know what to say. Um, I'm 61 years old. I came to Christ late uh, in my life, around age 42 or so. Um, After a lot of searching that I look back on now and see what I was doing was searching for um, that missing piece in my life, which turned out to be Christ. And I've been ever so grateful ever since. And the lateness of my arrival to the cross and beyond has given me an ability to really remember what it was like to be a sinner, to be in that wandering state. And that fuels my gratitude. Um, I am currently, I have been, always been an educator, and I'm currently a paraprofessional. In the olden days, when I first started, they called us teacher aid, um, which is what I do. I'm in a work in a second grade classroom, as well as with some first graders and some third graders. And I just generally live a quiet life, um, come home, have a cup of tea and read a book, and then go to work the next day, and then church, and then repeat. Well, it sounds like a wonderful, nice, quiet life in obedience to Christ. And I love how uh, you are just uh, pouring into those kids, uh, first through third grade as a paraprofessional. And uh, But you are also a student yourself, I understand. You've got lots of uh, certificates in theology under your belt. And uh, recently you enrolled in a new course. So tell us about your studies and why it's so important to keep on learning. Well, yes, um, there are, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm 61, so I spent a good part of my life before the internet. And once the internet came along, you know, I glommed onto that really fast. Very happy to be able to take some long-distance learning courses. And I especially love, um, particularly, the Institute for Church Leadership, ICL, um, through the Master Seminary, which any layperson can take courses through, um, either to earn a certificate or just to take a course here and there. And right now I'm in one with Dr. Brad Klassen on um, the principles of prayer, which I am finding extremely informative and extremely mm. convicting, um, very convicting. So I am just enjoying that so much, taking my time. Um, you don't have to, you can go at your own pace, which is very good because um, I'm kind of slow and I like to absorb it slowly. And um, it's just a wonderful class. He goes through the Old Testament and New Testament prayers themselves as a basis and shows you how to pray 
the, those prayers back to God through scripture. Um, he talks about what does scripture teach about prayer? Like what really is praying about? Um, what are its benefits? How does the Bible define it? And what components to include in your prayers? And there is so much more than I ever thought, which of course there always is when you delve into the Bible. That sounds outstanding. I think we need to put those links in our uh, show notes so that people, I know I'd like to check those out too. Yeah, they sound really great. I mean, and, and you know, it's it's interesting that you're talking about that and you're taking classes and things like that, because I think Christians especially have always been sort of known as as continual learners. We're always studying scripture. We're always, you know, looking for that next great theology book or or you know, something to learn. And uh, and one of the things that a lot of people are learning about these days and especially thanks to you Elizabeth and in, in a large part is is discernment. I mean, you you're known for writing about discernment and I know a lot of women have learned about discernment from you. Um and we're very familiar with what that means all three of us. Um, but some of our listeners, you know, maybe they haven't started learning about discernment yet, and they might not know what that's all about. So let's talk about discernment and what it is, what it isn't, where it comes from, and why it's important. Can you explain to us a little bit about that? Oh, you've opened up a big, wide subject <laughs> that I could go on for days about, but I know your program has a time limit. Um, thank you for asking. Yes, discernment is extremely, extremely important. Uh, If I could quote A.W. Tozer, he said, quote, among the gifts of the spirit, scarcely one is of greater practical usefulness than the gift of discernment. This gift should be highly valued and frankly sought as being almost indispensable in these critical times. This gift will enable us to distinguish the chaff from the wheat and to divide the manifestations of the flesh from the operations of the spirit. That's the end of the Tozer quote. Um, There is discernment that is commanded for every Christian. You know, Hebrews 5.14 says, every Christian should have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Um, So every Christian should practice that. And yet the Lord goes above and beyond and dispenses, the Holy Spirit dispenses gifts as he wills. And one of those is discernment. So I believe personally that the Spirit has given me that particular spiritual gift above and beyond the usual training that we all should do. And I feel a very strong commitment to enacting um, in gratitude this gift for the edification of the saints. Now, discernment is often thought of as just being critical, Um, but discernment is not criticizing. Discernment is not judging, at least not judging unto condemnation. We all judge. We we want this cantaloupe and not that one. We want to go into this store and not that one. We, We take this job and not that one for reasons that we have distinguished as preferable one over the other. And as far as discernment goes, it's ultimately about Jesus, because discernment allows us to see him clear, more clearly for who he is. And thus, we can worship him in stronger faith and in stronger spirit than when we don't. Um, he gave us his word for two reasons, in addition to revealing himself. 
and it's to show us the way to salvation and to tell us how to live post-salvation. And he has standards for holiness, standards for how we're to worship, standards for morals. And we need to know who he is and what he expects in the purest sense that we can in our finite minds. Um, I always go to the verse in Acts 111, which I love. And it's not usually a discernment verse thought of, but it says, um, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you to heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen go into heaven. And the, the phrase that I want to point out is this same Jesus. So it's not the boyfriend Jesus. It's not the romantic Jesus. It's not the woke Jesus. It's not the social justice Jesus. Which Jesus should we worship? The same one that is revealed in scripture. And discernment helps us see who he is and how to worship him properly for who he is. Hmm. I love that. And, you know, a lot of people think that discernment is simply just uh, warning people against false teachers. And and we are told by Jesus to watch out because, you know, in the end times, which we are in, I believe, you know, a lot of people will come and uh, deceive many. And so uh, we want to keep our eyes on the real Jesus. And but to that end, you know, we often share your articles in uh, when we do a podcast on something and, and we'll put your articles, we'll link up in our resources section and probably. Probably, I would say the most clicked on popular link is uh, that compilation of all the research that you've done on uh, one particular women's author and uh, teacher, Beth Moore. Now, she's one that all three of us have concerns with, and rightly so, because of her uh, false teaching and because so many women just love her. I mean, really, she's witty, she's engaging, she seems like such a nice person, but there are such huge red flags in, in what she's uh, telling people about Jesus. And your article, uh, I believe it's called All Beth Moore Critiques in One Place or something like that. Uh, But we link that up often. And it's really an important read. We're going to do that again in today's show notes. But you probably get a lot of blowback for, you know, putting those uh, articles out there. Am I right? Well, Amy, yes, you are. Um, There's nothing like poking that particular bear. Whenever (laughs) I say anything negative about Beth Moore, I do get um, a lot of blowback, a lot of activity and hubbub surrounding um, whatever it is I might say about her. And it's almost always negative. Um, now, the online blowback, you know, it's okay. You yeah. know, walk or mute or ignore. And whatever people are saying about me that's um, really negative and slanderous um, that might damage my reputation, I just rest in Jesus because he knows me. He's my final judge of my character and my reputation. Um, For years, I was a conservative editor in a liberal town of a newspaper, and I learned to have a thick skin. So I really don't have a fear of man as far as online goes. Now, it is harder when it's real life blowback, you know, friends or your own pastor who asks you to leave the church not solely because of Beth Moore, but that is was the last straw. Mm. When your friends that you thought were so close start to inch away from you, um, that is harder to take. But And I mourn the broken relationships. 
but ultimately we're commanded to be discerning. We're commanded to love Jesus the most with all our heart and mind and strength. So not our pet teacher. And if the pet teacher comes in between the relationship versus Jesus, then that's another person's issue to deal with at the judgment. I just try to do the best I can um, with dealing with it in a gracious way. And I hope I do. But the Lord will tell me on the day whether I did or not. Well, it sure seems like your your blogs and, and the way you write is very gracious. And I will say that um, many people, including myself, have um, been in your shoes with former churches where uh, people that you love um, and have spent so much time in prayer with have asked you to leave because of, of issues like this. Uh, Michelle, I, I don't know if you've experienced that as well. I, I know you've experienced some friction there in, in church settings in real life. Oh, yeah, that's that's for sure. Um I, I don't want to go to, into too much detail, but uh, yeah, I was um, a, actually a victim of spiritual abuse at a previous church because the pastor's wife was, um, she she had a lot to do with Beth Moore, let's just put it that way. And so uh, she didn't like me from the get-go, but uh, so yeah, that that's that's no fun, you know, having to get that criticism and, and all that, especially when, you know, I really liked how you said it a few minutes ago, um, Elizabeth, you said that discernment is really just helping yourself and helping other people to see Jesus more clearly. I just loved how you put that. And I think those of us who are trying to do discernment humbly and biblically, that's how how we feel like that's what we feel like what we're doing it is, you know, that's the attitude that we have. And then people just, you know, if you say anything that's negative, they just come down on you like a duck on a June bug and, and they don't like that. So um, and especially, you know, with Beth Moore, there's a lot of a lot of issues with her. Um, can you give us just a few more um, some of the issues with Beth Moore? Like what are some of the things that she has done that have been problematic? Because I know some of our listeners, like I said, are probably new to all of this and they really maybe don't even know who she is, hard as that is to believe believe. But um, what are some of the more um, uh, impactful things that she has has said and done? And how has that? um, How has that been biblically problematic? I find certain things that she does, and other people too, but Beth Moore does a lot, and she's lasted a long time. And she's been at the forefront for so long. She has impacted several generations of women with her example, namely for me, it's claiming to have received revelation directly from Jesus, having yeah. conversations with him, having claiming that he has taught her new things or given her new prophecies, which he has allegedly instructed her to turn around and share with her listeners and followers. It, it devastates the sufficiency of scripture and it reduces Jesus from his high position as the ancient of days as the highly exalted one, to someone that she flippantly has casual conversations with. And that is unholy. And that is dramatically impactful to the way people think about Jesus and the fact that it demonstrates you don't even need the Bible to have a relationship with him. And so that's what women have grown up seeing. This woman Beth Moore strutting around, claiming direct revelation, and they think, well, how about me too? And so the Bible gathers dust, 
Jesus transforms into someone he is not. And it's, it is spiritually upsetting to me to a degree that is just tremendous. I also think that her preaching to men devalues this um, sufficiency of scripture once again, because it's rebellious. Um, it d- directly, directly um, devastates what the Lord said, which is a woman may not teach or have authority over men. And yet she teaches and has authority over men. And she says that that's okay. So in every way possible, those and other things that she does teach women coming up under her. And as an example, um, all kinds of things that are out extra biblical and non-biblical. Yeah, I agree. That, those are absolutely problems. And I, I agree with you. I think those are probably the two biggest problems with her, too, is the extra biblical revelation and the the preaching to men. And I think on another note, with preaching to men, that kind of leads us into another subject. Uh, and, and it's really a big trend that we're seeing in the modern church. And that is the way that feminism is seeping into the pulpit, you know, into women's ministries, outreach programs, just lots of other different ways, too. One obvious sign is the acceptance that we're now seeing of female pastors. Not that there is such a role for women, but, you know, a lot of people that are women who are pretending to be pastors, I guess we could say. And um, we're also seeing less obvious ways that feminism and egalitarianism is taking hold. So let's talk about that. What are you seeing as far as feminine feminism goes in the church? Well, um, I, I work with younger women. You know, the Bible instructs the older women to work with the younger. And I'm very blessed at my church to have many eager younger women in their 20s um, who do seek um, information and, and relationship with me and I with them. But these are women in their 20s who grew up after the millennium totally within an online world. So they've been exposed through various media to the best and the worst that there is to see in Christendom. And the worst, you know, includes lots of very poor examples. Um, And so they are confused and they are uneasy because they're getting conflicting messages. So I just think it's extremely important to seek out these young women, surround these young women, pray for these young women, work with them, be a lifestyle example for them. and that's, that's, I guess, the third thing about Beth Moore and her example that she's given other women who live this example is a lifestyle of functional feminism. She has lived as a feminist, but calling it other things. Um, but she's very forward. She's the CEO of her corporation. She traveled widely. She left her children behind where her husband had to pick up the slack. And these things were not just... Um, me saying it, but actually um, reported on by the Atlantic when they did that lengthy article on her. It was revealed that um, her kids said they ate a lot of takeout when her mom traveled. So living a life of a functional feminist and yet calling it ministry is a confusing thing to these young women who are unsure of how far to go um, with their careers that might be ministry. Is it a career? Is it, should they stay at home? These women say they stay at home, uh, but they don't. So it's very confusing time for them. 
Yeah, it sure is. And I'm really, I, I want to go back to what you said about uh, teaching the eager young women at your church and how hungry they are for the word. And uh, and you're there to, to provide that for them. Um, Michelle and I, people ask us all the time about, you know, women's Bible studies at churches and uh, which uh, book authors are good to study or which companion guides they should buy and use for uh, their curriculum as they do these things. And, you know, uh, just last week we had a, in one of our Glad You Asked, uh, there was a, a woman who wanted to know about, you know, YouTube videos. You know, we, we go and we watch YouTube videos and then we don't talk about them, just a teaching. So, you know, there are some good authors out there. There are some good uh, teachers out there that we can learn from. But I guess Michelle and I always say, study the only author you need by reading the scriptures. And I wanted to ask you about that, because I know you're seeing trends in women's Bible studies, too, uh, or you can barely call them Bible studies. Uh, but what are your thoughts on studying the Word as women? Well, I am personally very blessed because our church is a reading church. We have a plurality of elders, and they're all reading. They're all Bible teachers at various um, educational facilities, private um, etc. And we're a reading church. So they buy boxes of books um, for us and just give them to us. So we are very blessed that way. We're, our Sunday school classes and other book clubs go through a book of the Bible verse by verse. So we don't have any canned um, curricula uh, like that. Um, I'd rather, you know, if it's within the church, like Sunday, our Sunday school classes, I'd rather see people just go through the book, uh, a book of the Bible. You know, we're, we're once one class is going through Daniel and the other is going through Romans. Mm. Um, others outside of the, the church, you know, they meet at night on different nights and they have a book club. So they might be going through, you know, the latest, um, a good, solid Christian book that's been issued. Um, and have discussions about it. Um, but our elders always challenge us and encourage us to have godly conversations, you know, whether we're going through a book of the Bible or another book as a club, they encourage us to have spiritual conversations always and to edu encourage each other and edify each other at every turn. That sounds really great. And I know that you love your church and it is, it's a good doctrinally sound church. And I'm sure there are list, women listening to you just wishing that they had a church that good that they could go to too. So that's, that's good to be talking about what a good church, uh, teaches its, you know, your, its members and, and what you learn at church. And one of the things that, you know, we talk about sometimes we, we did a, a podcast on this not too, too long ago. Um, that that we can learn at church, and, and especially by studying Scripture all the way through, like you were talking about, just studying straight from the Word, is we can learn about some of these finer points of theology, or sometimes we call them doctrinal distinctives. And I think we learn those much more from just studying straight from the Word many times than we do studying from what I like to call canned studies, you know, the workbooks and the DVDs and stuff like that, that don't always, um, at least the more popular ones don't always go down very deep. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about those some of those doctrinal distinctives. Uh, like I said, we we had done an episode on this a while back, and um, we kind of talked about which side of of some of the more controversial issues that we land on because it's important to know you know where people are coming from. Um, these days, a lot of people can say 
I'm a Christian or a Christ follower or an evangelical or a Protestant or many of the other labels that we put on and take off. Even within different denominations, you kind of have to define exactly what it is that you believe. And so we tend to wear a lot of labels because they're sort of shorthand and people know where we're coming from usually with a lot of those labels. And And I found uh, on my blog that I have to be very specific with people about where I land in certain theological camps. And so this is the way I've put it on my blog. I say, I'm a genuinely regenerated Protestant Southern Baptist, Calvinist, Calvinist slash Reformed Baptist, cessationist, anti-word of faith, anti-prosperity gospel, anti-new apostolic reformation, pro-life, complementarian, conservative. I need to change that pro-life to abolitionist, don't I, Amy? Yeah, abolitionist, complementarian, conservative Christian who believes that the 66, you have to say 66, canonized books of the Bible are breathed out by God, true and sufficient for all aspects of Christian life. So how about y'all, Elizabeth and Amy? Go ahead, Elizabeth. Why don't you chime in first and then I will. (laughs) Well, I would have to say of all those that you said, Michelle, uh, I am too. (laughs) <laughs> all those um i didn't really even, sweet. <laughs> yeah, i didn't know what they they were you know when i first was saved i wasn't in a church but that was back in 2004 2005 or so and joel osteen was very 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 popular and so i would watch him on sundays and just think he was the greatest and then somebody gave me a bible and i opened it <laughs> and tracked along with joel osteen um, and realized that what he was saying was not even close to what was in the actual book that he was claiming to uh, be springing from. So I got very angry and upset and felt cheated um, yeah. and never listened to him again. Yeah. And what a statement about a pastor. I was listening to him and loved him. And then somebody gave me a Bible. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being a pastor and having having somebody say something like that about you? It should be so embarrassing, but... You know, I don't think it is for him. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's all right. Um, I moved. That was when I was before I was going to church and right before I moved from Maine to Georgia. Um, So I made a short hop to Adrian Rogers. And then I found John MacArthur. One of the first sermons I heard him um, speak was about um, Calvinism or reformed Mm -hmm. doctrines. And to me, anyway, I didn't struggle with it. It made total sense maybe because of the way I came to Christ or because I was late in life coming to him, but it made total sense. And from there, um, I just couldn't get enough of the word and it just grew in me. And then combined with the gift of discernment under constant training um, of it, going to church, finally, I resisted that for a while, but I, of course, caved in because that's what you do is you go to church so you can worship the one true God. Um, I came to believe all those other things that Michelle has just said also. Yeah. Yeah, uh, me as well. And uh, it it took somebody inviting me to a Bible study and me actually having to go down to a bookstore and purchasing my first Bible ever uh, for me to actually get a clue because um, I grew up in a a very um, atheistic household. We we went to church, but it was Unitarian. So um, I had all sorts of ideas about who God was, but uh, none of them were true, unfortunately. And and the one thing that... um, 
you know, when you, when you said Michelle cessationist, I always have to define that word because it seems that a lot of people um, think that cessationism means the Holy Spirit doesn't work anymore or God doesn't do miracles anymore, and that's just not true. So you really, I find that with all of these these different labels or doctrinal distinctives that we, uh, it's very helpful to define uh, what that actually means. And you know, cessationists uh, believe, you know, basically that the gift of prophecy and and other uh, gifts like that the raising of the dead, uh, they're no longer needed because we already have scripture. And I always try to point people to uh, Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three, um, about how God spoke then and how he speaks now through uh, the risen son, Jesus Christ, through his word. And so, um, yeah, I'm a strong believer in the sufficiency of scripture as well. So um, really, really good, good conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think a lot of people would probably, you know, they would listen to me rattle off that list and say, well, that's just ridiculous. Why do you need all those labels? And you're just being too picky. And, you know, we're just Christians. We just love everybody. And we just, you know, whatever, 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 you know, whatever. We just all love Jesus. And um, but what I what I have found, like I was saying earlier, is that we're people who are constantly learning. We are constantly studying and constantly trying to see Jesus more clearly, like Elizabeth was saying. And as we study, And as we learn, we want to get as close to what scripture says as possible. And so we, we start, we start narrowing our focus and, and trying to get it, you know, just as pinpoint biblical as we possibly can. And so that's where a lot of these doctrinal distinctives come from because we are saying, Here's what scripture says, and I'm going with that. I'm not going with this Watergate theology type of stuff. I want to go with, you know, to be on the narrow way and to be on the biblical way. So that's, that's why, um, I think it just round, rounds that out really nicely and, and has a lot to do with a lot of the things we've been talking about tonight is just, like she's, I can't get off that phrase, seeing Jesus more clearly. And so, um, so that's, I think that really just sums it up. So that it's it's been a great conversation tonight, Elizabeth. We have really loved having you on the show, and thank you so much for um, for teaching us too, you know, and and to and for um, talking to our listeners and helping them to understand some things more clearly as well. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us tonight? Well, um, how about Philippians one nine to ten? Um, yes, please. <laughs> And it says, in this I pray that your love may overflow still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may discover the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you, as we're saying goodbye here, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online so they can read your wonderful blog and get a hold of all your great resources? Uh, Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you very much. Um, My blog is on WordPress. It's um, the-end-time.org, theendtime.org. And I named it that because... We are in the end time, which we've been since Christ's ascension, will be till he returns. And therefore, we should be all the more fervent to be ambassadors and witnesses for his name. Um, But theendtime.org. 
That is great. And they can find all your social media and everything on there too? They can. There's usually a button at the top that will bring you to Spotify to hear um, the podcast, which is just me reading what I wrote that day um, out loud, um, and the other um, buttons too on the side. Awesome. That is phenomenal. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. And, uh, you know, come back again sometime. We'd love to do it again. Thank you very much. Thanks, Elizabeth. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. Don't forget to check out the show notes uh, for the link to Elizabeth Prada's website, The End Time, and we're going to link up some of her articles there as well. Just go to a awordfitlyspoken.life. And until next time, stay in the Word, stay close to the Lord, see Him more clearly, share that hope with the lost, and walk worthy.